to Let's Be Nerds. I'm your host, Stephen J, and today we're going to be doing a little bit of a different episode. We're going to be diving into a world that is not something we planned on focusing on with this podcast, but it's something that's kind of come to our attention and we want to cover it, we want to address it. But before we begin, I really want to stress we're going to be discussing things of a paranormal nature, uh, things related to potential hauntings, and for some audiences, this might not be what they signed up for, and it might be triggering or something that maybe they just don't feel comfortable entertaining. And we want to say from cast and from production that we totally understand that. And if this is not an episode for you, now is your time to click off. And there's no hard feelings because this type of stuff, real life encounters, real life experiences, is not for the faint of heart. So with that being said, this is your little warning to maybe take a pause on this episode and join us in the next one. With that being said, I do want to welcome Lizette, Drew, and Gordon. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Steve? I'm doing fantastic. We're doing good over here, too. Yeah, great. Good. I'm uh, I'm excited for this episode. I think it's, like I said, a little bit of a deviation from our normal plan, our normal, I don't even know what you want to call it. It's not something that we were expecting to cover, but hearing about it when we were in a production meeting, I felt like it was necessary. I think we all agreed it was necessary to talk about. So with that being said, why is that I think you're the best to really start this off and get it into motion so why don't you tell me what's on your mind all right so i don't have any personal experiences or stories to tell you guys um i more so wanted to give a little bit of an explanation as to the um belief system i guess you could say that drew and i were raised with just because it's going to become relevant to his stories and how we were taught or expected to deal or not deal with these kinds of things. So um, we were raised with very religious families and the ideas of hauntings or any kind of par- 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 oh my goodness, paranormal activity is extremely taboo. Um, it was very much the thought process was if you talked about it, then you were inviting it in. So that's kind of part of why it's still difficult for me to entertain any of this discussion. Like, I don't find it, but it can be a little bit uncomfortable for me at times because I still have that thought process running in the back of my mind. That being said, um, I did, like I said, I haven't experienced anything myself, but I was, Drew and I were dating when some of the events that happened to him occurred and kind of the resolution. Yeah. Near the tail end, she was kind of 
not really a part of it, but she was being updated currently as it was happening. Yeah, and trying to offer support and trying to offer <coughs> what I knew of as solutions. So, um, with that being said, I guess I'll throw it over to you for you to start talking. <laughs> I do want to start by saying that some of these might be a little hard to believe, even if, you know, especially if you haven't experienced anything yourself. But I want to start off with some of my friends and family who have experienced stuff in the house that I am currently living in. So, a very common thing to happen was some of my friends or family that I would get pretty close with, I would tell these stories to. And whenever we were in this house and I was telling them stuff, whenever they said they didn't believe me or they didn't believe that that stuff could happen, stuff always happened to them. So I'm going to start by sharing their experiences because they're kind of shorter and not as crazy as some of the other things that have happened here. Uh, I think my the first one was my cousin. She came over and stayed the night, and I was in, like, sixth grade, I think. And I was telling her some of the stuff that was, like, happening around the house, and she was like, ah, oh, no, you're, you're crazy. That, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. So back then, uh, my dining room wasn't really a dining room. Like, we had an old couch in there that pulled out into a, uh, a bed. And we were laying on the bed because it pulled onto a couch and it went, it looked straight into the, uh, the kitchen and we were just standing there awake. And she was like, I don't believe that you actually see what you say you see. And I was like, I don't know how to prove it to you, but hopefully if we just stare into the dark abyss of my house, something will happen. Well, sure enough, we were sitting there and we saw this little creature that was probably three, not even three, probably like two feet tall, maybe, uh, run across the kitchen floor onto the other side. And she just kind of stopped and stared and looked at me and was like, you, you saw that, right? And I was like, yes, this kind of stuff happens on the norm. Like, you see things run across the room. You see things out of the corner of your eye. You see shadows that look like taking the appearance of an actual person like this is a very common thing for me to see so it didn't really freak me out even back then I was like that's pretty tame for some of the other things that have happened and I think it ran back and forth probably three or four times before I was like I'm bored I'm going to sleep and she was like I, I can't sleep now and I was like I told you this kind of stuff happens I don't know what to tell you, but I'm going to bed because I'm not going to watch this stuff happen all night because back then it was kind of worse and it was mainly just you would see things move at night or like you would see something sitting on the couch, you would see something standing in the corner. Like that was a very common thing to see if you walked around my house at night. So I just kind of left it be and I let it sit with her. And after she saw that and admitted it, she never saw anything again. So that's one of the more tame ones. One of my other cousins, he also didn't believe me. And we were sitting there playing Halo, broad daylight. It was probably like two in the afternoon. And as we were playing, he just started moving his head back and forth, side to side. And like trying to see the TV, look like looking up, looking to the sides. And he started like yelling, get out of the way, I can't see. 
until he realized like five seconds in that there was nobody actually standing there. He couldn't see the TV for a few seconds. Oh. One of my other friends who also grew up in the same circumstances as me and my wife, he uh, he came over and stayed the night. And it was me, me, him, and two other of my friends. And he told me that he didn't believe anything was happening. And I told him, I was like, look, everybody else who has said that has experienced something. I was like, I know you're going to experience something. And I apologize in advance. So that night, we were all sleeping in the basement. And he told me that when everyone had passed out, he stayed awake and he was laying on his, on his side. He said out of nowhere, a hand grabbed his shoulder and pulled him back. And that's when he believed me that stuff happens in this house. (laughs) Oh, so those are the most tame things. Those are the most, yeah, those are the least scary things that have happened in this house. So like when I was younger, some other smaller things would happen. Like uh, one time I was I was laying in bed and uh, my room is the only room to the attic. And it's basically like a rectangle hole in the ceiling with a piece of plywood over top of it. And as I was laying there, I was looking at it and all of a sudden uh, it was like something started banging on it and trying to like pull it out, like lift it up. And it was just kind of like rocking and shaking and something was banging on it. And that consisted for probably about 15, 20 seconds, and then it just stopped. And it tried to be told to me that it was just a draft. But out of my, what, 17 years of living here, it has never happened again. It's only happened that one time in my entire life. So that's uh, that's another thing. Yeah. I used to... uh, I used to get talked to. So like when I was younger, I would be outside by myself and I'd be swinging on the swing set and I would hear a voice say, Drew, come inside. So I would walk inside and nobody called for me. People are like, oh, that's just your imagination. It's like, okay. But like I hear the same whispering voice all the time and nobody could really offer an explanation outside of it's your imagination. Uh, there were a couple of occasions when I would I would be laying in bed and the blankets would move or I would go to pull up the blankets and I couldn't I couldn't lift them. No matter how much I pulled the blanket up, it was like something was holding them down. And obviously that got explained to me was your blanket got caught on something. Or how I would be sleeping and I would feel something come and sit on the edge of my bed. And nobody really had an explanation for that one. Uh, One of the scariest ones that probably happened that was pretty tame was one day after school, I came home and I went to go lay down in bed. And when I laid down in bed, uh, I kind of like jumped on my bed. When I jumped on my bed, the best way I can explain it is like if a snake could scream. And it was like right in my ear. It was so loud to me that it made my ear ring like my ear started ringing afterwards and nobody else heard it it was just me i don't know how i don't know how to explain that one so do you mean that when you landed on the bed you felt something that felt like a snake or was it just the noise it was just the noise but like the way i describe the noise is imagine if a if a snake had the ability to scream 
like a like a hiss on the screen. Yeah, kind of. Okay. That's the best way I can explain it. And it like it was so loud to me that it made my ear ear start ringing. Huh. Those are the uh, the least crazy things. Okay, I'm I'm intrigued. I want to hear more. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, Some of these are new to me. So, the first time that something truly like life changing, horrifying happened was a. Uh, it was just me and my brother home, and it was it was in the summer, and it was probably like lightly into the afternoon, like one thirty, two o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I was, me and my brother were both in the living room. He was playing on his iPod, and I was playing on the Xbox three hundred and sixty Battlefield three. <laughs> and I was I was sitting there playing that, and what my mom would do is uh she would call the house phone. And if I didn't answer, she would use the answering machine to get my attention. Uh-huh. So basically, she would call. I wouldn't hear it. So on the answering machine, because it was like a live thing, she'd mm-hmm. be like, Drew, Drew, pick up the phone, Drew. And it was usually something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I heard that. And I was like, ah, my mom's trying to get me. So I put the controller down, went over, picked up the phone, and it was just a straight buzz. And I was like, okay, I missed the call. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. Hung up. Went back out there, started playing again. I heard the answer machine again. Drew, pick up the phone. Drew. So I went back there, picked up the phone. I was like, hello? And it was just dead ringing. And I was like, okay. I put the phone down. And I looked at the messages, and there were none. So I was like, that's kind of weird that I'm hearing the message. The message isn't being saved. And then in the process of me thinking about that, it also clicked. I never heard the phone ring the second Mm -hmm. time and i was like okay that's weird never heard the phone ring just heard the answering machine this is probably my imagination like i'm expecting to hear it now so i went back out in the living room and my little brother was like hey what did mom want (gasps) and i was like um i don't actually think she ever called and he was like well that's weird i heard her on the i heard her trying to get your attention and i was like yeah so did i so i called my mom back and i asked her if she ever called the house phone and she said no and I was like, well, I heard your, I heard your voice on the answering machine. And the creep, the thing that creeps me out the most is that it's indistinguishable from your voice. Like it was exact. She was like, is there anyone outside trying to play a prank on you? And I'm like, that's not really possible. Cause you can't really mimic that answering machine staticky kind of sound while also being outside of my house and not calling the phone. Yeah. So that was one of the the weirdest things that ever happened, especially because my brother was there. Yeah. And he heard it. Yeah, that one messed me up for a while, but that's not even the scariest thing that happened. (laughs) The scariest thing that happened is it's hard to, it's hard to remember because it's the way that it made me feel. It like, the best way I can explain is like it altered my state Okay, so I'll get into it. (laughs) So basically, uh, when I was in high school, I used to tell these stories to people all the time. And obviously, people thought I was lying. And I had no way of of proving it. So I got the bright idea. I was like, you know what? Today after school, because I was was telling these kids this, I was like, today after school, I'll go home. I'll close all the curtains in my house, turn the lights off. 
I will start recording with my phone and I'll start banging on the walls, you know, and I'll basically antagonize it to do something and then prove that this kind of stuff happens. Hindsight being what it is might not have been the best idea, mm-hmm. but I was like, I'll go home. I'll do this. I'll record it and I'll have hard proof that this stuff happens. And they're like, okay, we still don't believe you. We want you to send it to us as soon as it happens. And I was like, okay. So I came home and no one else was home. I had, I, back then I usually had around like 45 minutes before anyone else would be home. So I went around, closed all the curtains, pulled up my phone and I was pretty scared because I had never tested it before. Like I had never asked it to do anything. I had never tried to communicate with it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this time I'm going to, I'm going to see if it will, will answer me. So I went to the edge of my hallway and I turned my phone on and I started recording. And I was like, if anyone's there, bang back. And I banged on the wall three times. And mind you, all the doors are open in the hallway there's which were like four doors. All the doors were open. All the lights were off. All the curtains were closed. It wasn't pitch black, but it was pretty dark. Mm-hmm. And I, nothing happened. So I kept on recording. I, I banged on the wall like three more times, sets of three. And then on the last set, on the three, uh, I was looking through my phone and I saw something run past me into the hallway and into my parents' room. And in the process of it moving, I could see it on my phone. But when I looked outside of my phone, nothing was there. Because I kind of looked at both at the same time as it was moving. Mm-hmm. Couldn't see it in real life, but I saw it on my phone. So at this point, I'm kind of shaking and terrified. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a long pause went by. And I was like, well, if you are there, can you make a noise? And when I tell you it banged the wall, it banged the wall. And it it scared me to turning the camera off. Like I hit the button as it hit the wall. And I was like, okay, I just communicated with something. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if this is the best of ideas, what I am doing right now. But I was like, now I have to send the video. So I went over to the couch. I sat down. I went to go turn. I went to go send the video. And back then, I didn't have any data or anything like that. So I had to use internet. Uh, that bang knocked out my internet. So my Wi-Fi was down. So I couldn't send the video. Which means if I wanted to send the video, I had to walk into my parents' room and restart the router. And this was like... I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, this is exactly how like horror movies work. This is exactly how horror video games work. Like this is pretty cliche that I have Uh to do this now. So I went over to the edge of my hallway, pitch black. I hindsight, I don't know why I didn't turn the hallway light on. Would have been smart, (laughs) but I didn't. (laughs) You're in the cliche, man. (laughs) So I started walking down the hallway, and the second I entered the hallway, it felt like I entered a dream. Like, everything got really hazy. Uh, It almost felt like there was, like, a white 
outline around my vision, kind of like when movies show that something is a dream. You know, you have that hazy white outline around the screen. Mm-hmm. I had that in real life, kind of. It didn't really feel like I was there. I don't know if it was because I was super scared or what mm-hmm. that was, but it didn't. It didn't feel like I was there. It felt like I was watching my own movements. I didn't feel like I was actually doing these motions. So I walked over to the bathroom because that was the first door. I turned the light on and I closed the door. Mind you, my parents' door is the second to last. Their door and then it's my door at the end of the hallway. So I turn on the light to the bathroom, close the door, turn around to my brother's room, turn the light on, close the door. When I turn back around, the bathroom door is open and the light's off again. And I was terrified because I was like, whatever this thing is, it's, it's behind me. Like, it's, it's really close to me. It's behind me. Mm-hmm. It might, at any given point, it might be within arm's reach of me. And that kind of terrified me. So I turned the bathroom light back on, closed the door. I turn around, and my brother's door is open with the light on. Or with the light off, sorry. And at this point, I'm staring into my brother's room. It's pitch black. I know I just turned the light on and closed the door behind me. But in my mind, if I turned around, it was probably, the door was probably open with the lights off. And I was terrified that it was probably behind me standing there. So instead of playing this game of, you know, lights on, doors open, lights off, doors open, I just turned and ran to my parents' room and closed the door. Mm -hmm. And then I sat on the bed, shaking. I went over to my router, I unplugged it, let it sit for like 15, 20 seconds, plugged it back in, came on, I sent the video to my friends. I had been so terrified that if I kept that video on my phone that it wouldn't like that. So after I sent it, I deleted it. Kind of wish I kept it, but I deleted it. And then when I opened the door, all of the... uh, the rooms were open with the lights on. And then I just walked away and sat on the couch and tried to forget that that ever happened. Oh my. And the way that that made me feel that is to this day the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. The most surreal, mind-bending what just happened to me kind of moment. I can imagine it's like it made you question like was that did that really happen like what yeah to this day it still just kind of feels like a dream like it didn't actually happen yeah well did anyone when you sent the video say like there's nothing in this video I don't know what you're talking no, about no they all believed me afterwards like they were able to see it visually. yeah they, they saw the thing past me in the video and they heard the bang too so there was no questioning after that they all believed me which was I guess the nicest part to come out of that (laughs) but no there was no question there was like probably five or six students 
that I sent that video to, and they all collectively believed me after that. No question. They didn't question any of my stories after that. <laughs> I can understand. Yeah, if I received a video like that, I'd be uh, pretty freaked out too. This is kind of why my family didn't like me talking about my stories. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, his mom just recently, like in the past year, has started to accept that the stories that he said are true. Because there are a lot more stories, but not to that severity. Yeah. But it's like apparently your brother experienced some things as well. Not nearly yeah. as many as you. But like we were out talking about it at a restaurant one time. And like his, their mom kept saying, like, you know, stop talking about it. There are other people that can hear you. And when we got back home, we talked about it a little bit more. And like her go-to was always, well, you guys could have had sleep paralysis and night terrors. And you played all those horror video games when you were young that you weren't supposed to play. And you did this and you did that. So it was just your imagination. And once I, once I explained to her that I did not play horror games or watch horror movies because this stuff happened, she was kind of like, oh. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I told her straight up. I was like, I did play video games I was not supposed to be playing. I did watch movies I wasn't supposed to be watching. But I specifically stayed away from all horror stuff because the stuff was happening. Yeah. And that's when she was like, oh. No apology, no nothing. She just dropped it after that. Yeah. She did, she did give you a little bit of a, well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> And it's like, and I'm sitting there in the back going, no, like, he he, he did. He did. But you guys pushed him off, so I was the one who had to say, okay, we're going to fix this because I can't deal with it. So, I guess the next question is, is how did you fix it? How did I fix it? Yes, that is... <laughs> the million dollar question. Yeah, this is where it gets a little... I want to warn people, this is where it gets a little religious. If people have been watching to this point and they don't want to hear any religious stuff, okay. it's going to get a little religious. I just wanted to put a little fair warning out there. And before we dive into it, because I think this is probably a good spot to break for an ad read before yeah. we dive into that. So uh, we will be right back after a word from our sponsor. So basically, obviously with... Uh, how we were raised and stuff like that when I would talk to my parents or to any other kind of adult figure about it which really wasn't that many it was mainly just my father he the only advice he gave me was to uh, to pray about it and with that being the only advice that I had I decided to give that a shot I think I told you to do that too that one time we were talking about everything, so. about everything that happened so I decided to do that I did like a prayer on like, basically, hey, can you tell me what's causing this? Is there a way to fix it? Like, can you just let me know how to make it stop? I'm getting kind of tired of it, basically. And the first thing that popped in my mind after I did that was this sword that was in the back of my closet that my father had given me. That's its origin, slightly unknown, because the story that I know of how my dad got it is different from the story that has been given now. 
So most people remember the story of him getting that sword differently than I remember it being told to me years and years ago. So could be that I misremember it. Could be that the sword changed. I'm not really 100% sure. But anyway, very mysterious sword. And I probably should have suspected this sword on my own. I'll give a description of what it looks like. Unfortunately, I don't have any more pictures on it. I think I actually have a picture of it on my old old uh, slide phone, but I don't even know where that phone is. <laughs> anyway, it was a all-metal sword. It actually, it actually weighed quite a bit. It was probably on the 20 to 25-pound side of things because the whole thing was metal. So the blade had like these spikes on it on the sides for like the first third of the blade and then it was just a normal blade the handle came down so the the guard was two horns that kind of came out and down and the horns had jewels on them and the handle came straight down and the bottom of the handle was like this pommel thing with two arrows going through it and on the handle there was a there was like two snakes interwrapping around each other with a rope going around the two snakes and again hindsight being what it is that sword should have rose a few red flags for me mm-hmm. <laughs> but i never really yeah. thought i never really thought about that so when i kind of got to that conclusion I, I sat on it for a while i didn't do anything about it and when i sat on it and i thought about getting rid of it miraculously everything kind of settled when i was thinking about what to do with the sword everything kind of settled down and i was like well that's kind of suspicious i think so i contacted one of my friends about it and he was kind of in green like how about you try to break the sword and i was like okay so it was right before i went to work my parents had gone away camping because i decided to do this when nobody was home because i'm smart it was a lovely experience. I was getting texted through the whole entire day going, what the fuck are you doing? So <laughs> I I went outside and this thing was completely metal. And I was like, back back then we had these two uh, metal pipes that came out of the ground and it was a, a clothes hanger. You would, you know, hang out, hang your clothes up outside. These two mm-hmm. big metal poles. So I went out there to them, had the sword. And I was like, well, I've heard that quote-unquote demonic items are like damn near indestructible so i'm gonna try to dent and break the sword i was swinging this sword like a baseball bat against these metal pipes and i was bashing the tip of the sword into the metal pipes nothing no dents no scratches no nothing still perfectly sharp so i was like okay i'm gonna try to bend it in half i took the sword laid it flat i stepped on the edge of the blade i took the handle and I bent the sword to where the handle was touching. The bottom of the handle was touching the tip of the blade. And I was stepping on it, trying to break it. And I held it there for like a minute or two. When I let off, it went completely straight again. And I was like, this might must be some really good craftsmanship. Because I can't dent it. I can't break it. When I bend it, it goes back into shape. Like, swords are like, there are some swords capable of doing that, but only hand-forged, because I'm really into forging and stuff like that, only hand-forged, you know, steel is going to behave like that. Like, that's a high-quality sword. It's a couple mm-hmm. hundred-dollar sword if it actually works like that. So it was getting close to me to 
have to go to work. So I took the sword, threw it on the ground, left it outside, uh, went to work. I was telling my, my friend about it, and I was like, hey, do you want to come over, stay the night? We try to break the sword, we try to destroy it, this, that, and the other. Like, some paranormal stuff might happen. Like, we could have a fun time, you know? And my, my friend was like, dude, this sounds awesome. Let's do it. And I was like, all right, might get a little weird. I'm not sure. And now, mind you, because this is very important for what happens next, uh, I told him this in private. Nobody else heard. Nobody else heard this, okay? This is very important because it was like halfway through our work day when I brought this up to him. And it was like, it was pretty later in the night because I worked at a restaurant back then. And like, we didn't get off until like midnight or not midnight. It was like 10, 1030, something like that. But I told him this like halfway through and nobody was around. And when the day ended, it's like, all right, we hop in my, my vehicle, go over to my place. Great. So we went out to my, my car and there was blood all over my windshield. And that's when I freaked out a little bit. I was like, okay, I tell my friend I want to destroy the sword. Um, I don't know where anyone's going to get blood from, but there's blood on my windshield. Like, I don't, I 100% believe nobody heard me when I was telling him this, that we were going to do this. So there's blood on my windshield. So naturally, I ignored it. Texted I, me about it. Yeah, texted her about it. She had a little freak out about it. And I was like, eh, it's whatever. It's just blood on a windshield. Like, that can't mean anything bad. So I did what any normal human would do. And I just turned the windshield wiper fluid on and wiped it all away and forgot that it was there. Um, excuse me. <laughs> any normal human? No. I, I, I think Steven, you're a standalone. Do you, do you see what I have to deal with? <laughs> I think you're a standalone on that concept of just, you know, turning on the wipers. I don't think that'd be mine reaction that was my reaction me and my friend were like you just want to ignore this and he was like yeah well let's just pretend that didn't happen i was like okay good we're in agreement here and you know he definitively didn't do it to fuck with you right like oh i i a thousand percent know he didn't do it i've known this man for years and years and years if he did do it he would have told me by now yeah it would have caught like he would have copped to it yeah Yeah, that's that's not the type of person that he is okay i know for a fact he wouldn't have done it uh i know nobody heard us (laughs) And it, even if someone did hear us, I don't know where they're getting blood from. So, <laughs> but anyway, we arrive at my place, and of course, my friend, being how he is, the first thing he does when we pull up to my house is he stand, gets out of the car, slams the car door, and puffs his chest out and goes, "Where's this bitch ass ghost at?" As he's walking towards my house, and he screams that. I love Jason. <laughs> and I was like, Jason, what are you doing? He was like, I want to see some stuff tonight. And I was like, I don't. And he was like, he was like, no, this, this, this thing messing with my friend, I'm going to beat his ass. And I was like, Jason, you're not going to beat it up. He was like, watch me. And I was like, God. I will gladly watch you do this. And he was like, bet. Because <laughs> that's how he is. Love this man. But we go inside and it's, it's dark. It's probably like 11 o'clock. We go out back. We go up to the sword. We have flashlights. Uh, the sword has been taken apart completely. So the handle is all taken apart. The pieces are laying next to each other in line. It's all taken apart. And I was like, I did not take this sword apart. It was in one piece when I left. We also have privacy fence. So nobody could see that this sword was back here. Uh, secondly... A little bit more scary. 
why is all the grass dead around it? And my friend was like, hmm. My friend was like, you know what's even more scary? And I was like, what? He was like, why are there no gnats or anything around us? But then he shined, he shined the light around and you could see gnats flying all over the place in the backyard, but there's none around the sword. And I was like, you know, that didn't even cross my mind. Oh, by the way, it is kind of warmer outside. And yeah, it, all the grass around it was dead in a perfect outline of the sword. And me and my friend were like, coincidence? And he was like, well, there's only a way to, one way to find out. So he started taking the pieces and throwing them <laughs> around the yard. And wherever he would throw the pieces at, you could see bugs like scatter away from it. And it would be like a bubble of no insects or anything like that. And then we decided to shine the light on it and just look at it and you could visibly see the grass dying around it like we could we could see the grass just decaying and we were like what <laughs> that's not that's not normal this is kind of weird so naturally jason being jason thought it would be a great idea hey if the grass is dying around it, that must mean that it's near. So my man's picks up the blade because remember there's spiky parts on it that are not sharp. So he puts his fingers through those and starts swinging the sword or the blade around trying to hit whatever is near it. And I'm like, I don't know much about this kind of stuff, but I don't think that's how that works. No. And he's trying to actually fight it because Jason. You never told me he did that. Oh my god. So after that didn't work, obviously, uh, we took all the pieces and we brought them back inside. Of course, as you do. And we went inside and my friend was like, you know what? This is actually pretty fun. He was like, how far do you think we could go? Like, how mad do you think we could make it? And I was like, I don't really know. And he was like, all right, don't you want to kind of find out? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we took a piece of paper and we wrote yes on one side, no on the other. And we put it on the no side first. So the no was facing up. And then we were like, if you're mad at us, flip this piece of paper. We're going to go to sleep. When we wake up, you better have an answer. So we go to my room with all the sword pieces. We lay them all on the floor in a line. And we sit on my bed. And Jason starts trying to antagonize it, talk to it, this, that, and the other, because that's how my friend is. And he was like, you know what? I bet you if I downloaded a Ouija board app, I could actually communicate with it. And I was like, no. And he was like, bet. And he downloaded a Ouija board app. Oh my god. Uh, this is why I was at my house having like a minor aneurysm and I couldn't figure out why. I, I love Jason. <laughs> Man's fearless. <laughs> so the, uh, the Ouija board app, I don't want to say unfortunately. It fortunately didn't lead to anything. Uh, the app did seem kind of suspicious, but we came to the conclusion that the app was made 
to make you believe you were talking to something because mm-hmm. it didn't really it wasn't really believable but we had all the sword pieces laid out on the floor we were just kind of chilling nothing really happening jason's still trying to just puff out his chest and try to tempt it uh, when we turned the lights off and we went to go to went to go to sleep uh in the closet because i left the closet door open that's why i usually leave it closed but we left it open uh he started taking recordings and photos without his flash on i couldn't really i like i wasn't really paying attention but after he was done doing that he he showed me some of the the stuff and in the closet like there were like faces in the closet that you could see that's normal very this is the closet where all my clothes are now <laughs> like you could clearly see like we we clearly saw a skull cuz he would uh when he kind of first saw it he uh what he would do afterwards after he first saw it cuz when the lights were all off he could see it so after he did the stuff with his phone what he would do was he would turn the lights off take his camera stand all the way back with the closet door open and stand all the way back on the other side of my room. And then with the flash on, he would take pictures to try to get a very vivid view on what was in the closet. Right. Instead of just like seeing eyes or like little shapes, he wanted Mm -hmm. to get a flashed photo picture of what it was. Mm -hmm. And when he did that, we looked at the phone and in the, bottom corner of one of my suit sleeves you could see a skull like an actual like it wasn't a human skull it was I don't know how to explain it but it it looked like a skull with like blue glowy dead eyes kind of and after we saw that we were like I think that's enough for the day so we closed the closet went to sleep we uh, woke up the next day. The paper was miraculously not flipped over. Uh, it's It seemed like, I don't know how to explain it, but it seemed like the presence or like a weight was like lifted almost. Mm-hmm. And like, I still had the sword pieces, but I speculate since it was all broken up that it was all quote unquote over. Mm-hmm. So... After all that, I kept all the sword pieces and I left them in my closet for months and nothing really really happened. And fast forward months and months down the line when I, I was still in, I was in college, I was telling Jason how like after we did all that stuff, like I still have the parts, but like nothing's happened since then. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's good. Like we fixed the problem. And I was like, I don't know if you could consider what we did to be fixing the problem. I think we just annoyed it to the point of leaving. <laughs> Especially you trying to beat it with a broken sword. But, you know, I digress. And uh, one day, as I was going to leave for uh, school, uh, I opened my, my front door. And as I was getting ready to leave, I heard the basement door open and slam shut. And I stopped. I turned around. And I was like, can you please just stop it already? Please, like, can we just, can we be done? I'm tired of this. Like, you're not even scary anymore. 
like you're just annoying at this point. <laughs> and I said that out loud. Went to school, came back. Like another two months went by. Nothing happened. Cleaned out my closet. Threw away all the sword stuff. And since then, nothing has happened. I want that sword. I don't know where it is now. <laughs> you said it was your dad's sword. How did he read? Does he know? Like, so we each have a different story of where this came from. So yeah, the story that I was told was that my dad's brother, my uncle, he was in the military and he was also really into Taekwondo to the point where like he would travel across the world to do Taekwondo stuff. And from what I understood was he picked it up from a guy in his travels and then gave it to my dad. My dad gave it to me. But the story that I've heard since then was that his dad went and helped somebody like move some furniture around or do something the way that he goes and helps everybody out who needs stuff done. And the person as payment like gave him the sword like, oh, you know, you like this kind of stuff here take this and then he gave it to drew because he's like i don't want it but here have this so we don't have any clue where it actually originated from it seems like regardless of which story it was or if it was something else entirely it seems like it's something that's changed hands quite often okay so yeah they would have because it was given to you no matter what you like you disassembling it they would have never been none the wiser yeah okay oof (laughs) sorry if i scared you guys (laughs) i mean it's definitely like creepy i mean there's a lot of details about that night when you messed it up with jason that you did not tell me before (laughs) now i was sitting at home i actually had one of our one of my cousins staying with me staying the night with me and um i hadn't told her what was going on but drew called me when he found that blood on his car windshield and i was talking on speaker on my car and she figured out what we were talking about and she got super freaked out and she was like wait like one of the questions she asked me was is this why drew comes and stays at our house so much because he's (laughs) trying to get away from that i'm like it's probably part of it yeah She's like, I won't ever make fun of him for coming to stay with us again. <laughs> um, but I was stayed up until like two in the morning because I kept texting him saying, hey, can you let me know when you guys are done? Whatever it is you're doing, can you let me know you're safe? And I kept sending text because apparently they'd already passed out <laughs> or he was ignoring his phone. And I spent most of the night convinced he was dead. So... <laughs> And in the morning, I get a text going, oh, everything's fine. We just passed out. Nothing happened. Uh, Sorry, I'm getting loud. Apparently, stuff did happen. Uh, yeah, not the, most, uh, not the most crazy of stories for how it ends, but I don't know. That was actually a weird thing to say, but that was actually a fun time for me. The <laughs> breaking was- the sword and like, I don't know. I think it was just because it was happening with my friend. Mm-hmm. I think that it made it kind of a little less scary and more fun. And Jason being Jason, <laughs> I think it made for a pretty entertaining night for me. Now, if I was by yeah. myself, I think it would be a completely different tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that outcome could have been so much different had 
Jason not been there? Yeah, the the grass dying around it is still what kind of boggles my mind. Like I watched the grass die around it. I I just I don't know why this thought. This sounds like the uh, it sounds like the Spiderwick Chronicles to me. I'm the, not the one... familiar with that. One. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with Spiderwick. I know what Spiderwick Chronicles is, but I'm not too familiar with it. Um. It's a movie with these like little gremlin like creatures that have like to protect them they, they there's like a magical barrier around but besides that it was like they the grass died wherever they they stood for longer periods of time huh. uh you could always see them if like they touched you or got their saliva on you in any like way like into your eyes that's the only way you're you would be able to see them without like special conditions needing to be met, so to speak. Mm. It just kind of sounded like that. You and like, it's a gremlin sword? <laughs> when I say that I watched the grass die, I mean, like, it was completely, like, gray, withered, and crunchy within, like, five minutes. Oh, that's impressive. Uh, that's creepy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So, Stephen, you had some stories to share with us as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I'm like still processing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, um, it's a little bit to process. Um, so, kind of from a different perspective, uh, grew up in a Christian non-denominational church. So, essentially what that meant is like, my parents would teach from the Bible, read the Bible to me, educate me on the stories and what have you, and like practice like fundamental Christian values, but we never were backed by like a church or, or what have you. Um, despite my parents' m multiple attempts, they just never found one that like really fit with uh, the politics and all the stuff and that went into it and like the commitments and the my grandpa was Catholic and that's like a whole that's a whole cult in itself so they were like basically not going to be in Catholicism they were just going to basically teach from home so I'm very thankful that they did because I think that it helped with the type of situation that we had so like the ground that the, their house is built on was given to them by my dad's dad and my dad originally had just put up a trailer on the property with the intent of building a log cabin down the road, which lo and behold, they ended up doing once they were married. Um, but <sighs> there was like weird things that happened even when like the house was dying. Like my, my grandfather was here attempting to help with parts of construction and he had an older dog that was pretty well trained and pretty... Uh, not you know, it's not the rambunctious puppy type of deal. Mm -hmm. Something got into this dog's head that it needed to run down our driveway. And Lizette, you're familiar with the driveway. It's yeah. essentially a goat path that goes downhill. Yeah. And for whatever reason, this dog got out of sight and took off down over the driveway, which is very, was very uncommon for this dog's age and its training. Ran out into the road and it got killed. And poor person that hit it actually stopped 
and they brought it they they walked the dog up in their arms up to the house to see the construct like then they realized the, the construction site and they were like basically bringing this severely injured dog up to like find the owner and apologize and what have you so that quickly promptly stopped construction on the house as everybody was like holy crap how did this happen this dog never leaves the ground never wanders more than to the trailer and back for food and uh being that it was a very upsetting obviously to my grandfather who's a big animal lover my dad as a way of trying to like not make him deal with the burden offered to build like a uh, pet cemetery so to speak what would turn into a pet cemetery I should say above the behind the house on a hillside there was a, a level plateau and then it keeps going up the rest of the hillside and my dad knew about it and he said well I'll be glad to take care of burying it we have the equipment here that way you know my pap didn't have to deal with it uh, so that comes back into play later on um uh, my first run-in that I can remember in this house was uh, we had our dog at the time. His name was Sam, and uh, he had this. We had a green, like iced tea pitcher for him that we would always fill up with ice and water from the kitchen and walk it back downstairs. Well, that was one of my responsibilities is, you know, making sure Sam had food and water. And it was late at night. And for whatever reason, I think we were all staying up and watching a movie and we were all in the basement. And I realized that Sam, you know, needed to be taken care of before we went to sleep. And uh, so I ran up the steps with the, the pitcher and filled up his, you know, ice and water. And I'm standing over the sink and the directly behind me is you know the the wall of the kitchen but to my also the doorway to the basement mm -hmm. and i remember like just that weird feeling of being watched and there's windows above the kitchen sink and i like looked up into the window and i i half felt like i saw somebody in the reflection of the the window in the doorway but i was like i realized i'm like no like i I would have, somebody would have said something like I'm just seeing things. So finished filling up the pitcher and I realized I filled it too full. So I pick it up and I'm, I turn around and I'm like looking at the water being like, Oh God, am I going to like spill this on my way down the steps? And as I crossed from the linoleum of the kitchen into the carpeted area right before the basement, it was like I walked through a wall of ice is the best way I can describe it. It was an instant full body sensory overload. That's it, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it, it was it was a weird sensation. Did that happen to you too? Yeah, that's like when when I went into the hallway. That's like exactly what I felt like. It it was bizarre. It was almost like I walked into like a freezer that, almost, but you weren't yeah. cold. And it felt like everything. As soon as I hit it, it was like it was fleeting, like it was dispersing. Yeah, like you felt, you felt cold, but you were not shivering or actually cold. Yes, and I remember it was like it was so weird because like I I froze when I when it happened, and I was so worried about spilling. It was like a surreal moment where 
a little bit of the water crashed over the lip of the iced tea pitcher because it didn't have a lid on it. And I just remember like being hyper focused on like the water, like the splash. At, and I, it was like I was watching it in slow mo, like fall from the pitcher and make its imprint in the carpet. And it was like almost like out of body because it was like normally that happens and it's just like a splash and it's over, but it felt like it took forever. And so I just kind of stood there for a second and like, what just happened to me? And I like eventually kind of just got my bearings and went back downstairs and filled up his water bowl and I didn't say anything to anyone. And then uh, there were, there would be these different times where, and I think that I maybe noticed them before, but never thought anything of it. But after that event, I just kept noticing that like I would hear people like walking around. If I was on the basement, I'd hear people walking around in the basement. I'd hear people walking around on the floors above me. But I started to not just take it as, oh, well, mom and dad's up or somebody's moving around or whatever. And I started to like actually investigate it. And I'd go up and I'd realize that they're both still in bed or my brother's still in his room or whatever the case was. And so I started to kind of become more aware that like the things I were here was not just the pipes was not just the fact that there's wood floors. Like it was actually something that I should be aware of. And I think it just became a combination of like that type of stuff and like hearing kind of like your voicemail situation drew, it would be, in just like room to room or floor to floor, I would like hear people say like, Hey Steve, like, can you come up here? Steve. (laughs) And I'd be like, Oh yeah. And like, I'd go and like, no one was even on the floor or I'd like ask my mom, like, Hey, what did you need? And she looks at me like I'm crazy. So eventually enough of stuff like that. Oh no, I I do stand corrected. I had a terrible nightmare about. Wait, 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 wait. before you say this, sorry, I have to interrupt. Because if you're about to say what I think you're about to say, I I used to have dreams where the paranormal would mess with me in my dreams. And continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> I should explain that where this water incident happened, there's a there's a door to that downstairs basement and it's a double door so like it's cut in half and both of them both the top half and the bottom half swing in unison open and close or individually and then if you're in the basement you can deadbolt it's essentially deadbolt the doors closed and um hold on i I apologize i have to give me one second I don't I don't think I've ever met someone who has such similar feelings of experiences as me. It's actually kind of validating. Yeah. Like I I feel bad that he like he went through that stuff, but it also is like wow, there's someone else who went through and felt the same stuff as I did. Sorry, I'm back. Um Okay, so, so uh Essentially, it's like a double door where you can deadbolt it if you're in the basement, but it's either way. So I, I, I had this dream and this I f- forgot that this ties into how I led this off. So um, in my 
in my mind, it was real life. I went up to bed, was laying there, I believe, on my laptop watching a movie. Or I know I was, I think it was actually Nick at Night, ironically, now that I think about it. I was watching TV and I heard this dog. Like it was a very visceral and aggressive dog. And I knew that it wasn't Sam because I knew Sam's like angry bark. I knew his happy, you know, I knew all that's my dog, you know. And I'm thinking, like, I remember like hearing it and I'm like, it's so loud, it's so aggressive. And it sounds like it's almost hurt, but it's angry. So I run down the steps and I'm thinking, did this dog, is this dog outside, like trying to get in, maybe picked up on Sam's scent and I'm hearing him trying to fight his way in. Like, I, I didn't know what was happening. Well, I came down the steps and the top half of the door was open and the bottom half was closed. And normally, because Sam had separation anxiety, the worst he would do is he would sit at the top of the steps and he would like whine for you to let him up so he can come into bed, which, you know, we got had to break him of that. So I looked over the bottom half, expecting to see Sam probably pissing his pants because of this aggressive dog. And what I saw was a dog with a bloody face, baring its teeth and barking like horrifically. And I stepped back and I was like, holy shit. And the dog started to like claw at the door. And I look back over and it's like at this point, it's kind of like jumping and trying to like get at me or get over. And it felt like such reality. And I woke up and I was like, how was that not real life? Because I woke up in like the same position and it was bizarre. I went downstairs. Sure enough, at the bottom of those stairs, there's a square landing and Sam was down there like where he always like if he wasn't wanting to get upstairs he was sleeping on that landing and the carpeting and he was there peacefully sleeping and i was like this was this was bizarre so i approached my dad about it i told him i was like hey this happened well this kind of got the whole oh well our minds are a movie theater when we go to sleep we want to be entertained and like you know i understand he's trying to calm a kid down but eventually I just kept pressing it to the point where like I had to get answers out of them. That's how I found out that the dog that died here when the house was being built, um, when I saw a photo of it, that was the dog. And my parents, once they realized that it was okay to talk to me about, were very open-minded in the sense where they're like, yeah, we see it too. There's weird shit. By and large, it's not harmful there are things that have happened like fishing rods have fallen and gotten broken my dad said he has a story about that my mom has a story of uh ceramics that she has on a shelf that are high up in our a-frame ceiling falling and either getting broken or falling and landing softly and not being damaged and it's like a weird thing like you would think that they would all fall and break but some of them will land and they'll be just fine so needless to say, they they just kind of were like, yeah, uh, doesn't really go against, it doesn't really go with our faith, doesn't really fit our narrative, but it happens, and it's okay, it doesn't make you a bad person for like experiencing it or talking about it, but like they said that once you kind of acknowledge it, it doesn't really become aggressive, and so that's like, it's a running joke 
that like we'll be in the house and it'll be like a day where you know for sure there's no wind and you'll randomly hear the wind chimes that my grandma gave my mom act like it's a hurricane outside like banging and banging and banging go outside go on the porch there's no breeze there's no nothing that would cause them to do that and it's just become like a commonplace where nobody thinks twice about it and everybody acknowledges it and it gets even weird especially gets weird around the holidays for whatever reason this house around christmas um it's the the being in another floor and hearing people talking and walking in other floors is astronomical and i don't know why but it's from december like 15th to december 28th for whatever reason every year this how and you'll hear i've even heard like faint christmas music almost like my parents used to have this record player and it was like kind of a piece of shit but like it almost sounds like somebody fire you know how when you fire up a record player and how it sounds and it kind of slowly picks up Mm -hmm. it almost starts like that and it'll be like a clearly christmas start to a song and then it'll just fade away it's it's bizarre, but I was very appreciative of my parents for not like really having an explanation and that being the explanation. It was like very honest, I guess. Yeah, I never got any anything. It's actually like I don't I don't want to come off rude or mean or anything like that, but it's very nice hearing your story because they're very similar to mine, and like the feeling you got, like step like watching that water kind of go over that Mm -hmm. that feeling you experienced was like pretty spot on for what I experienced and I don't know why but like I've never I've never talked to someone before who had such a similar out of body no question it's real life kind of experience before and the dreams because I I've had like four or five dreams where like for some reason it would almost personify the thing that was messing with me all the time. Like it would be one entity and I would know the entity. I would recognize the entity without ever being able to see it. I would know what it is in my dream. I'd be able to recognize it. And I would remember all the things it did to me before and I'd know what it is. Mm-hmm. And it would, it would mess with me in my dream. Like uh, one time I was in like a mansion and it was me one of my cousins who had experienced stuff and my little brother and it was just like throwing chairs around like trying to kill us and it was just all three of us running for our lives as it was like not really like i guess the the best way to explain it like silently laughing maniacally or me knowing that it's laughing maniacally but not being able to hear anything as it's like throwing stuff around trying to kill us yeah and it was like that was the dream and it was like i woke up and i was like I thought that was real life. Yeah. It, it's so weird because I think once you start, and maybe, maybe this is just me, but hopefully this is, once you start experiencing dreams like that, I will be in an actual dream that I am aware yeah. I'm dreaming. Yeah, I, I have that. All the, I, I have that now. Like, I'll I'm be like, in a dream. Okay. I'm like, oh, this is a dream. And I'm like, fuck, okay, like wrap it up. I get it. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be weird, like whatever. And I'm aware. Oh, I take control of them and, now. <laughs> yeah. It's to that point where you're like, and I can actually like talk, like not talk myself out, but I can like work my way back to like a conscious 
state. I, I can like, just, when I realize I'm in a dream, if I want to, I can just open my eyes in real life and wake up instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Ever, ever I since wouldn't I say had for me those, it's instant, but it's, I can talk myself to it. Yeah. Ever since I had those like paranormal dreams of like that super horrifying, you wake up in a cold sweat, mm-hmm. feels exactly like real life. Nothing yeah. else feels like that. Can I ask you this? Have you ever sweated so bad from them that you had to question whether you pissed the bed? <laughs> I have wo- I have woke up drenched. Mm-hmm. I've woke up to where I turn the light on and I just uncover the fan. I just like undo the blanket and like there's an outline of me on the bed. Yes, 100%. I have never, like, knock on wood, besides being obviously a child, I've never had an issue with bedwetting, but there were times where these dreams would hit me so hard and I'd wake up and it was like that flop sweat. But I was like, wait a minute. Did I have an act? Like, did I like have an accident? Because it was so profuse. But like gross. something. Sorry, everybody. But <laughs> something always happens in real life before you have a dream. Mm-hmm. And the dream isn't always reminiscent of what happened to you in real life. At least for I'm, me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to lay one on you that this one was recent and it was good. It was a positive thing. But it to this day has no explanation so uh again we're gonna set the stage this is like probably three years ago um christmas time decemberish let's just use that term and um i had ironically my my mom's mom and the woman my pat married after she passed who i adored and loved i have had dreams about them at times where it was like kind of the same thing where it felt real and I heard their voice because when somebody passes when you're young you forget what they sound like whatever so like I ironically said to my mom I'm like you know it's weird like I sort of accept expected now that pap had passed to have a dream from him and she's like yeah me too she's like I just you know even just to see him or whatever and so that was probably in November and um he uh showed up one night and uh at the time <clears throat> i was <clears throat> uh let's use the term friends with somebody who uh would frequently stay over here and uh was my best friend and nothing more and uh so there was a couch situation but i was like up in my room and um so i at this point i was alone and um went to bed nothing you know out of the normal and uh, I had a dream that my pap essentially, like, came into my bedroom, pulled out a chair, and it was identical to the kitchen chairs in our kitchen. And he sat there, and he's, like, talking to me. And he's, like, <sighs> the weird thing about his and I's relationship is he actually even made the statement when he was living after his second wife died. He's, like, you and I have really only ever been close when like there's a, a woman in the middle and I'm like, yeah, cause like, I wasn't a big fan of him at one point. And we spent a lot. And he told me flat out, he's like, I'm probably only going to live another year. And I, he, I was like, okay. I was like, that's kind of weird. And he's like, but like, I really want to focus on, you know, you and like different family and whatever. And we had an amazing year and him and I actually like, he confessed all of his sins to me and he told me every person he cheated on my grandma with. And it was like this whole cathartic year. And then he literally died one month shy or one month over a year from him telling me that. And um, 
so needless to say so now fast forward to that like whatever and he in the dream he just basically pulls up a chair wakes me up and i sit up in bed and he's just telling me he's like yeah he's like your mom's good rose is good like he never talked about himself or anything he experienced with like dying but it was just like just one like you know kathy's up here she's good like she misses you everyone misses you but like everyone's good like don't worry about them and it was like this beautiful dream and um so i wake up the next morning and um it was one of those dreams that felt like forever and i woke up as if that was the only dream i had that night and it was like ran me through the whole sleep right i roll over from my right side to my left side and there is a kitchen chair next to my bed and uh i was pissed because in my head i thought somebody like did that before i fell asleep and made me fake the dream and i had you know one person in mind and uh so i like went to everybody and i'm like you like what are you doing like why was this chair in my room like were you fucking with me like what the deal and like everyone was like why the fuck was that chair in your room and they were like blaming me and i'm like and this person had to flat out be like um we were up to like one and i like i watched him go to bed and like i know that he didn't take a chair with like it it came down to that because nobody had an explanation and it was like the, the exact chair from the dream was the kitchen chair that was beside my bed i remember you telling me part of this but i don't think you ever told me the uh the dream part of it before it, it was more like it was weird because it was like he wasn't talking about himself he was like he was just like everything's good like life's good like just a casual like it was literally like he had never died yeah it was bizarre i i i i don't know i feel like things can i think saying influence your dreams would be not quite what i'm going for but i mean i know for myself since my mom's passed away i remember there've been several occasions where I've gone to bed or like spent a whole day being like, I wish I could have one more conversation with her about this one thing that's going on or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'd have a dream about her that night. She never addressed the problem that I was dealing with because mm-hmm. why would she, um, she would never make it that easy for me. But, <laughs> and you know, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I have, I've had one dream with her mom in it since she passed. Mm. You yeah. never told me that. I thought I did. Mm-mm. Well, it's a short story. I'll, I'll explain it real fast. So basically, uh, I don't know if you've seen Dragon Ball Z, but the world that uh, King Kai lives on is like a giant circle, and you can see the curve and stuff like that. Well, basically, where Goku, Goku goes to train. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was with Lizette, and we were walking up to this trailer. Oh, oh, oh you did tell me about okay, this trailer. And like the whole like outer part was just kind of like white. And, like, we were walking up to this trailer, and her mom walks out, and I'm standing next to Lizette. And she looks at me, looks at Lizette, and looks at me, and she's like, what is this? What, what, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, never really, I was like, unfortunately, never really got a chance to tell you this, but I've married Lizette. And she, like, leaned back a little bit and started shaking her head. She went back into the trailer and came out with a horse whip and started beating me with it. <laughs> And that was the whole dream. I've never had a dream with her in it since. (laughs) 
And I woke yeah. up and I was like, yep, that's how I expected that to go. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah, no comment. I don't know you guys well enough. <laughs> yeah, no, most of my dreams with her are... Uh... <laughs> We're just going to move right past that. <laughs> <laughs> hurt me. <laughs> Uh, most of my dreams with her are uh, more commentary on how I feel about certain situations with family members who are still around, and I'm aware of that, because I've had two separate dreams where she faked her death, and she's still alive, because she wants to catch my dad with another woman. <laughs> oh my god. So that tells me that my brain is saying to me, hey, you're not ready for your dad to see somebody else yet. <laughs> Probably not because I uh, I don't think any of us could handle that <laughs> like <laughs> a fake like she's hanging out with Elvis till your dad slips up and then she's coming back like what like what's going on you know she would if she could though she would yeah definitely do that. <laughs> oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. Well, all right I have one stories. I have one last story that I have to share and this is the only like truly violent thing I've ever experienced okay and I'm gonna make it quick. Um, I, a friend of mine, I'm gonna, how do I gotta not use the name of the business? Um, a friend of mine was managing a location that served food and beverages, and I was helping out as a cook and an event coordinator. And I was sleeping with one of the bartenders, just classic. <laughs> <laughs> and this place had, um, oh god, would that give it away? This place had a room for events and people <laughs> and banquets on the upper level. Let's put it that way. Oh, God. I hope nobody listens to this. Anyway, so what was common is like after the shift, we would close down. And like, this is, I want to be clear, this is not the person that was running the facility, it was another employee. And we would, go up and check the upstairs after our <laughs> shift was done. Yeah, check the upstairs. Yeah. And um, so needless to say, there was like, at the same time, there was all this realization that this, this location was potentially haunted uh, due to the nature of work that they facilitated and supported locally. People could potentially die in the line of work. And so they felt that prior and prior people had died in line of service and came back there to like stay. And they actually ended up bringing it. They were in the process at this time of bringing in paranormal investigators. And um, so I was not really a believer in this. I thought that it was this bartender, the, the paranormal investigator was friends with the bartender I was sleeping with. And I'm like, you're just trying to get your friend a cool 250. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really happening. Well, and it was also cutting into my sex life because, oh, well, we're not going to go upstairs anymore. It's haunted. I'm like, no, we're going to go upstairs. And so, like, <laughs> I essentially, one night, got the bright idea that I'm, like, I'm going to prove to you that it's not true. So didn't turn on any lights, which was kind of normal. And um, went up, took it, pulled out a chair took it into the middle of the thing and I sat down and was like, do your worst, fuck me up, I don't believe you exist, I'm here now like I was just talking shit and like I you know, just didn't give a shit at this point 
nothing happened, right? So we don't end I don't end up getting to check the upstairs <laughs> and I go home and I get in the shower and I'm pissed and I realize that at first I think that I just turned the water on too hot. And when I look down, I realize that it's not a temperature all over thing. It's like specific. And I look down at my chest and I had three lines from my right shoulder down to below my left rib cage, like my left. Um, they were, because of the water hitting them, it like, I guess, made them appear. And they were almost, they felt like a burn. And if you, you know, you work in a kitchen, you know, like you prior to, you know what it feels like when you run a burn under water. And it felt very similar to that. And the, like in the paths of the marks, I was missing chest hair. Like it was like bald. And I was like, what the fuck just happened to me? And, um, I learned my lesson that that was horrified. I, like, I took a, I took a photo of it and I sent it to said individual and was like, yeah, I'm a dick. I, I believe you now. And I was there the night the paranormal investigator showed up to like cleanse and sage. And like, I don't know if it worked or whatever, but at the end of the night, I was like in the back kind of like just following along this paranormal investigator came up to me out of nowhere and like was in the middle of a conversation with like the manager of this facility who was my friend that I worked for, didn't sleep with. And <laughs> she came up to me and she, it was like, she got in, like she got in my face and she's like Rose Leonard. And I was like, what? She's like Rose Leonard. That's the name of my step grandma. She's like, she's, she's all around you. And she like starts naming me shit about her, like like telling me shit that Tommy wouldn't have person like no one would have known. And uh, it brought me to tears. And I was like, oh. and she's like, there's like you. She's like, there's an aura over you of like protection. She's like, and it's her. And I was like, is it weird because like I just had this demon encounter like a week and a half ago, and now that I'm back in the building with all this paranormal shit this woman that's supposedly psychic comes to me and is like telling me she was born on the 1st of April. Like she's, uh, she, what else did she tell me? She told me she's like a uh, gold Cadillac. And I was like, fuck you. Like then nobody else knows that. Like it was just, yeah. So that was my experience. And I'd learned never to piss off a demon because Rose can't always be around to save my ass with her gold Cadillac. <laughs> Unless you're Jason and nothing comes of it for some reason. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'd like to see a spinoff of? Jason and Rose fighting demons. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so that's my ghost stories. Gordon, what do you have besides being a ghost most of this episode? I, I have nothing. I've never experienced anything paranormal and I honestly do not believe it in, in, in the slightest. I understand. I, I get that. I I've never had. I've never been a religious person. I've never experienced anything paranormal. Nothing that I've been. To? Nothing that I've been. Yes. Nothing that I've been immediately able to explain with cats, like with the animals I've had, and I've realized, okay, there's no way it was anything else. And nothing's ever been more than. It's just one of my 
pets running around like a dumb shit in the middle of the night. I I, I honestly can't say I've ever had paranormal experiences. I know a lot of people who want to experience something never experience something. But like me personally, I've been experiencing stuff since I was like four, five. Ever since I've had it, ever since I was old enough to actually retain memory. Even if I did experience something, I'd probably be too uh... skeptical. Yeah, I'd be like, "Yeah, this shit isn't real. Someone's doing some <laughs> prank on me or something." This, I'm going to sleep. I promise you, when you know, you know. Yeah, and it's jarring it's when you first. No other feeling. It's surreal almost. Well, let me ask you this, Gordon: Have you always been surrounded by cats, like all of your life? Pretty like, much. have you always? Because it's Celtic and it's Egyptian that they actually believe that cats represent a form of protection from the spirit world. And I think it's tied into some form of, like, I mean, Celtic lore that, and I think Egyptian lore too. In fact, check me if I'm wrong. It's definitely an Egyptian lore. It's all but like three or four years of my life, I've always had a cat in my life. You want to hear something funny? Hmm. Uh, my mom's allergic to cats, and my dad doesn't like them, so I've never had a cat before. The only cat we ever had got bit by a rabid raccoon. We only had him for, like, his name was Snowball. He, we found him in the yard. We adopted him, and he got bit by a rabid raccoon and had to be put down. Yeah, so this past year, uh, well, since we've gotten married, that's the first time you've had a cat yep. consistently with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Hey, stuff was not happening before I the cat. No. Thank but... you, Mr. Darcy. Exactly, because you know what? My 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 little dum dum, where is he at? His sweet, cute little face. Um you did say in the apartment he stared at some shit where there was nothing several times and it freaked you that. out. Yeah, a time or two he he scared me because I was like there was a time or two where he would like get up drawingly and like growl at a corner. And like I've only heard that cat growl like Three times in my life, maybe. And I was never home. They're bar- the cats bargain with the ghost to leave before they mess them up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my... Uh, I... I don't... I haven't always had cats around, but I've had cats around for the majority of my life. I was allergic to them when I was younger, so my mom had to get rid of her cats when I was, like, five... And we didn't have them again until I was about 14. But I do definitely think that there's something to having pets around. Hmm. Okay, I looked it up real quick. In the ancient Egyptian world, uh, Egyptians worshipped a cat goddess named Bast or Bastet mm-hmm. as both the goddess of protection of and cats, often depicted as a black cat. Families kept uh, the cat in their home, hoping for good favor Celtic mythology, there was a a fairy in black cat form known as Cat Sith. And they would would leave a saucer of milk out for it on what we are equivalent of Halloween for it to bless the home. And England, uh, 17th century England King Charles I attributed his good luck to his ebony pet, a black cat. Uh, it seemed to be true because the day after the cat died, Charles was arrested for treason. <laughs> Good to know. 
yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's some connection with that. I don't know. I mean, in the mummy movies, that's how they chased off the mummy. They held a cat up in his face and he screamed and disappeared out of the room. So God, God bless Brendan Fraser. Yes. <laughs> well, on that note, if we have nothing left to discuss, I think this is a good time to wrap it. What do you guys think? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of let's be nerds i know this one was a little bit unconventional a little bit out of what our normal scope of topics is if you did stay tuned throughout the whole episode i hope you enjoyed it please leave us a like uh follow a comment tell us what you think tell us about your ghost experiences tell us the wildest thing that's ever happened to you or tell us for crazy tell us what you think you know what it could have been that we were experiencing and where we're wrong we love to hear from you guys. We are trying to build an online community. Please consider joining the Discord server. The link will be in the description box below. And as always, thank you, Anchor, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. And until next time, we will see you then. Let's Be Nerds is hosted and executive produced by Gordon Bryant and me, Stephen J. McLean. Let's Be Nerds is a production of Speakeasy Productions. Our social media manager is Kylie Gregg. Our managing producer and co-host is Lizette Ayala. To keep up with the latest on Let's Be Nerds, join our Discord server linked in the description box below. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Be Nerds Pod. Or find us on Twitter at Let's the Letter B Nerds.